0: big bomb bomb bangers ladies and gentlemen jews and gentiles sharps and squares welcome back to episode 30 of 90 degrees the show where we discuss the right sports betting angles i'm your host kevin davis and today we're bringing on g stack george host and creator of the monday grind podcast but Before we bring George on, we want to give a quick thank you to our sponsors over at Pinnacle Sportsbook. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sportsbook and is now available in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the betters play, taking sharp action every day. No limits, low synthetic hold, and it's a must have for those with a top down approach. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. Sadly, I can't play because I'm in in the United States or else I would, but if you do play, please do so responsibly. So George, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell our audience uh, how you fit into the sports betting space?
1: Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Um, I have been a professional sports better since 2019. What that means is this is my uh, main source of income. I don't work another job. Um, Football is my season where I'm actively working and right now there's a little bit of downtime. So in the meantime, I do a little bit of media, want to inform the gambling space without, you know, touting here's what the winners are just more about the process and how successful betters operate.
0: So you are a professional better focusing mainly on football. How do you get enough bets in uh, to make a living at sports
1: betting? Uh, Considering
0: it's not every day, it's seasonal.
1: Well, um, fortunately, uh, football is the easiest sport to get a lot of liquidity down on. And I've grown over the last four years big enough to the point where I can make enough money and survive. I don't just bet football, but it's just combat sports, uh, boxing, political events. These are some of the smaller things that I'm betting Uh, so it's not like I'm not doing any work in the meantime, but yeah, football, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a big enough bankroll that I can do a lot of my work in just five or six months.
0: I mean, that is incredible. So the six months that you aren't doing your football work, uh, what's a typical day like for
1: George? Um, going to the gym, not often enough, um, cigars, um, getting together for co- with Coffee for Friends. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I know a couple other people who also have free time during the day. Um, I do a lot of work in the off-season, though. It's not just like, hey, I relax until August. I'm constantly looking at like updated rosters. I'm watching through film the past year. I'm trying to work on different, uh, different equations and figure out if there's some inefficiencies in what I'm doing and, and if I can get better at them. Um, paying attention to the draft because luckily the draft has become a pretty good betting event. Again, not the most liquidity, but it's still good enough that it's worth my time. And that's pretty much my off season. And then around July is like the last month before things fully ramp up. So that's when I get vacation time and downtime and I'm able to relax.
0: Yeah. So it certainly sounds like a life. So September comes Uh, What does a typical Sunday night or Monday morning look like?
1: So happy you asked me. Sunday morning is um, I end up getting together with my betting partner, my cousin. We have the whole six screen set up for all the games. We're doing some last minute work just to see some of the inactives based on like if there's one or two key players that are on the fence. We don't do much betting on Sunday. It's very rare. But if we can move fast enough on injury information, we will. Then I, I'm actually a fan of football. I love it. I watch the games um, religiously. I'm not alive better, so I'm enjoying all the games happening at the same time. I'm making notes of players that get injured throughout the day because there's injury reports available Sunday evening, but sometimes they don't pick up on all all of them, like offensive linemen, some of the positions that are not as key. Like Obviously, they're going to tell you about all the fantasy guys that got hurt. From there, um, I watch football the entire day, and Sunday to Monday, I barely sleep. So Sunday night, I'm looking at, okay, how did I do for the day? Then I'm, like, processing, okay, here's all the injuries that are going to be something to look for heading into the next day. I take an early look at the numbers, the opening lines. If there's anything I can pick off that's way off. Otherwise, I'd like to have a little bit more information throughout the day. I get barely four or five hours of sleep, and then Monday is the longest day. Monday, I watch every game that I was unable to watch because when there's eight or nine games happening at once, you can only really focus in on three or four properly at the same time, even though we got six screens going. Two of them are kind of like side, peripheral, just keep an eye on them, and then watch those games in full, make my notes, uh, adjust my ratings of teams then. Go through the data, um, pull it, and come up with a numerical uh, rating that I that I use, a formula that I use, and then from there, okay, let's look at how the next week's opponents match up against each other. Because it, I always look at it as like rock paper scissors. Power ratings will only tell you so much, but certain teams match up better against other teams than 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 teams that maybe they're potentially much better than. So there's There's potential advantages there when you can pick off some good matchups. It's very boxing like right styles make fights and it's the same concept for football.
0: Now, how do you massage those power ratings for the key numbers?
1: So a lot of people believe like, okay, you got to normalize to market. And I'm a bit stubborn in that i actually don't like to normalize to market i kind of stick with my guns and sometimes it burns me like last year it took me until like week six or seven to realize that the chargers were not the house that i thought they were and i think it was the seattle seahawks game where they got uh blown out and like picked off and, and i'm like that was the harsh reality like okay i'm clearly too high let me get a little bit closer adjusted to market but then there's teams that i'm stubborn on like say the Cincinnati Bengals, I was stubborn on them all year and I thought the market was wrong on them all year. And I didn't want to massage the ratings to to come back to market value. I, I was pretty concrete that I, that I had good information. And a lot of that meant betting Cincinnati later in the week. They were one of the teams that I, I had to wait for the line to get bet into place, like the game against Pittsburgh, where they open up as like a six point favorite and then they get bet down the way to like a three point favorite i had to wait till sunday to get that number that i wanted uh so that's kind of how i do the ratings i i don't mind going off market and being different
0: well i guess what i meant to ask although that's a good answer is if you put the two teams power ratings next to each other and you factor in home field and have a team favored by five points or five and a half um like how do you make sure about whether it's like a six or four and a half or a five?
1: So I'll power rate in the dead zone. I have no problem with that. Um, and, and I, I will read which way the line is going to move. Like say I, I, I rank team a five points better than team B and it's lined up at, um, let's say it's lined up at minus four. I could bet that at four because I I feel like I got a small edge, but I'm fine waiting to see if the market is willing to go to three and a half or three because uh, losing losing four to four and a half is not as big a deal to me as opposed to the potential gain of getting to three and a half or three. So I have no problem ranking numbers in the dead zone. I don't try to normalize two key numbers. Um, I I find those discrepancies where my edges come from.
0: Now – as the week goes on and some props start getting offered, uh, do you start hitting the props and what's your approach to that?
1: So I had this, this last year was the first year I had to get into props because in Ontario, we legalized and we got all these sports books, but we lost daily fantasy, um, in doing so. So it forced me to get into player props and I'm still, it's still not as big a repertoire, um, because for two reasons, number one is it's a lot of different work that doesn't correlate with what I want to do. And and the second part is if you're betting sides and totals, mostly sports books uh, tend to give you a little bit more leniency as opposed to props is a good way to get yourself limited and, and booted from a book a lot faster.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, it's definitely different at a scale at your betting where you're trying to make a living rather than just trying to make some money doing what you like to do
1: yeah if you're if you're betting with paper heads which i still do uh they're not gonna take too kindly to you picking off some prop numbers they're, they're gonna give you a quicker hook
0: yeah i mean it definitely is crazy uh because nfl i feel like oh it's an nfl prop i can go a bit more crazy on this than a different sport um one sports book that i cleaned up pretty good on nfl last year only doing reverse teasers finally limited me uh after nfl season and then it took them two weeks after they limited me to take down the reverse teaser function on their site but they were having seven point nfl reverse teasers you can do on spreads or totals two teamers plus 800
1: yeah that's like please like there I've had books before where the pleaser line was just way off and and you hit them once or twice and they'll never offer that again.
0: But I wasn't even handicapping the games. I was just, um, honestly, I was just using the bet stamp um, tool. I would enter the bets in based on how each leg of the reverse teaser would pay if it was a single bet and see what the CLV it said was. So of course I went through my own reverse teaser rules where it's the opposite of a teaser rule where you want to go through zero if you're doing a spread and you want to do totals and be like, okay, okay. This is like a CLV of 5%. This is pretty good. And I was only betting on Sunday. So I found a way to only bet NFL on Sunday and win. That's, that's incredible. But now it doesn't exist anymore, but it lasted the whole season. a whole year
1: though. Right before the whole year, we stopped it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'd be sitting there at the bar watching the games. People know that I work in sports betting and they would say, why would, why did you bet this? And I'm like, I don't know a single player on this team, or maybe I know a couple. Uh, it's just the math made sense.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Um, I mean, it, it does help uh, to do some of the qualitative work that you do combined with uh, creating your own numbers where you really watch every single game and then could input that in the numbers.
1: It's, imp- You know why I find it important is sometimes, and listen, the data will tell you a lot of stuff. Like... Take Minnesota, for example. They're, the data said they were a lot worse than their record. But the data sometimes isn't enough because there's some games that f- flip on, on circumstance. And it might only be two or three instances. Uh, and you can pick up a little bit more information about a team. Because if, if a team is struggling to move their offense consistently, but they have two or three drives where they... They explode and, and and they get the job done. The data gives you a balanced uh, gives you a balanced metric of hey, this is a successful offense. Whereas, okay, what is a successful offense? Is it a successful explosive offense? Is it a successful um, consistent offense that can march the field at all times and, and control the clock? Um, there's things that the data doesn't pick up that film watching still gives you.
0: Now, if someone is looking at how explosive a team is playing, and they're not betting high limits like you. Um, is that an opportunity for them to look at alternate markets?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
0: A lot of what I look at is like, okay, certain sports, uh, there's going to be less explosive and a smaller standard deviation. Those sometimes are good for teasers. The the sports where there's more variance, that's good for the reverse teasers. That same book that had the reverse teasers for NFL also had it for college football and they had it for bowl games. So the first two days of bowl games, they had the reverse teaser thing down and I'm like, okay, maybe they realized it and then they put it back up. And I found that the standard deviation for college football bowl games is larger than any week of the season, including week one.
1: Well, like I always tell people embrace the variance, right? Like we talked about player props, um, like take the New Orleans Cleveland game. If you remember the, the Blizzard game, it became a rush bowl where everybody was running the ball. and like there was opportunities in like Taysom Hill and Nick Chubb and everybody, but like alternative overs, like embrace the variance of when there's a team that's a little bit more volatile, either way, the alternate routes uh, at bigger prices is often a better, a better way to go about things. Well, what about
0: live betting? Cause you watch all these games. Uh, how much is live betting part of your arsenal?
1: It's not. And, and I'll tell you um, for two reasons. Number one, I like to enjoy the game. I find uh, people who live bet have to be in front of screens and uh, constantly looking at the numbers. I also don't like the fact that the stream is behind. Um, and then the third aspect of it is, but I will like Kyler Murray versus new England on Monday night football. If you remember Kyler Murray tears his knee on the first play, I picked off a book that was slow moving on that in a moment like that. I'm not betting numbers anymore. I'm betting a completely different game, a different circumstance. Uh, San Fran and Philadelphia in the playoffs. Philadelphia was a hell of a live bet when San Fran lost all their quarterbacks. So spur of the moment, gigantic injury that changed the nature of the game. I will quickly try to grab a line and, and pick off some low-hanging fruit. But outside of that, I actually just want to enjoy the game. also want to learn from the game. There, there was a, a period um, over the first five weeks of the season where I think I only had two bets for primetime games. And a, lo- a lot of people love forcing action during primetime games. To me, those are learning opportunities. I don't have a bet, so I get to go in unbiased, uh, make notes, and and learn a little bit more of these two teams. It's part of the reason why I'm like addicted to football. I love watching it. I love enjoying it. And I find with live betting, when you're still working, Uh, the entertainment factor goes away.
0: Now, do you think the commentary during the games is valuable if you're a better, even though they're not talking about betting?
1: No, very, very, uh, very rarely do they. Like half the time, I'm not even paying attention fully to the commentary. Uh, I'm watching with somebody. I'm I'm having a conversation about the game and what we've just seen. When the Manning Bowl came around, uh, uh, the Manning cast on Mondays, I loved it because it, it gave us a little bit of different insight. But I find the commentary um, is off-putting. However, sometimes the commentator or the sideline reporter might have an injury news that ha- isn't available yet on Twitter. It ha- The news hasn't broke. So sometimes, and it's very rare, you get the needle in the haystack moment where they give you something that you can work with.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly um, they, they occasionally will provide some useful information uh, or they'll be like, yeah, such and such was taken to the locker room. And he he was able to walk there on his own without a trainer,
1: for sure. Or or like kickers, right? Like the the news might not break, but if they say you know he strained his hamstring during warm ups and he struggled to make it from this distance, it might be a little piece of information. But again, uh, I don't uh, necessarily look to attack live betting. You strike me as somebody who is attacking them live betting. No, are you? You're also enjoying the game.
0: If I'm even watching them. I mean, CFL, I watch all the the CFL games. There's only four games a week, and they're not the same time as each other. Um, One of the reasons I'm huge into CFL, I can watch every game. Um, I can uh, crack open a Labatt Blue, even though they're harder to get in the United States. Um, And, you know, just watch the game. Uh, But, I mean, college football, uh, I love watching the games, too. Part of the difficulty is I usually only try and attack live lines at halftime because of the time lag and just, you know, before making an opinion, just looking book to book to see if any of the derivatives or main lines are ever off from each other, which is becoming less and less.
1: So you you used to be able to arb uh, halftime uh, second half bets, but if it feels like everybody's using the same software and all copying each other now, and it's very r- rare to find wide discrepancies anymore
0: yeah and then like if it's a small market sport like cfl preseason there was one book here uh that had live lines for the first week and then for the second week they took away the live lines because i'm like they used a traditional live line model of we're going to base it off the score of the game and how a three and a half point favored up by seven points what percentage of the time they normally win but they wouldn't factor in each team using different lineups for each quarter because it's preseason.
1: It's funny you say that because in the XFL, there was actually a couple tremendous live betting opportunities, especially early in the season where everybody was so certain who was good and who wasn't, which was wild to me. It was a wild concept that everybody had such a certainty about a league that never existed. So there was opportunities, but I got spinning wheeled once on a play, um, and the quarterback fumbled and it was uh returned for a touchdown and and it reminded me of all the reasons why I hate live betting within the game when it's not in commercial.
0: Yeah, I mean XFL I was doing a lot of money line, underdog spread, middles for first half and full game. Yeah. yeah. Uh cuz I don't think people were accounting for uh the extra point strategy as w- as much as they should have.
1: 100%. Like and that's the reason I found XFL had huge opportunities was okay it's not it's not an established league nobody knows who these players are or how good they are injury reports were harder to find um and it was a different dynamic a scoring dynamic so i always love to like put on my raincoat during the variance and and try to find my angles in i was talking um with matt landis about this in the nfl draft everybody likes to bet like the certain events of like over under, you know, draft positions and stuff like that. And a lot of the stuff that I like to do was bet the markets that were multiway markets with large prices because the draft isn't a certainty. You're trying to handicap what 32 individual general managers are thinking about 250 different players. And I find when you embrace the variance, uh, there's a lot of upside and potential there.
0: Yeah, I mean it is crazy looking at the drafts of, if you find something wild that happens, uh, what the payouts out there are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I like oftentimes we're so sure about who the first player at a position is. Um, I remember when the when there was four offensive tackles that were supposed to go in the top twelve, and the guy who was priced fourth went first because the Giants' general manager liked Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle, more than he liked Makai Beckton. Uh, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs. So they the, the the majority of the league might think that Tristan Wirfs was the best offensive tackle, but the Giants, who were picking the highest, thought Andrew Thomas was their favorite tackle, and he was like plus eight hundred on just before the draft uh, kicking off. So you know, I, I always say like, not everything is a certainty, and stop pretending uh, and betting as things are certainties when when there's when there's more variables, when there's more variance. So th- like you use the XFL as an example, when people scored a touchdown, they could go for one, two or three points. There was also the fourth and 15 aspect, uh, instead of onside kick, like there was a lot of different circumstances that created a lot of different betting opportunities.
0: Now, like you focus on like the, the spring football, uh, do you ever do like any basketball, baseball, or other major sports, or you just stick to football when it comes to sports?
1: No, like, uh, I, I will occasionally uh, take a future um, for basketball or hockey if I, if I want to just have something to watch because my Leafs and Orlando Magic seem to never have a deep playoff run in them and I need somebody to, to entertain me. But I, I've got I've cut out all the bad habits of sports betting, and it happened a few years ago. I call it, like, slot machine gambling, betting without an edge, Uh I just don't understand the basketball and hockey market. I don't know when the injury reports come out. I don't know uh, when and why the markets move. And I'm unwilling to take the time to do it because if I did, I would never have an off season. And and frankly, I just want to enjoy some aspects of my life. I don't want to grind in front of the screen for 12 months a year, 12 hours a day. I'm already exhausted doing it within football season
0: so considering that you're focusing on high liquidity markets and you know not doing it year-round per se um how much of your action you know is through rec books um versus pph and uh sharp books uh
1: 90 through pphs and sharp books
0: so even as a better who's doing a highly efficient High liquid market. You still have to uh, go the PPH and sharp route.
1: Yes, and um, it's unfortunate. Um, Shouldn't they want your
0: action, considering you know how little work they have to do to get the number?
1: Do they want? No, uh, uh, believe me, um, you're constantly having to find new books and new accounts, and sometimes you you have to have meetings to make sure you get paid what you're owed. Uh, so there are challenges in what I do. There's also upside, like you can, there's a lot of slow moving PPHs and you can pick them off for, for bad lines. Um, Cause they, move. they, some of them are, you know, uh, binded to a sh- uh, sharp book and they all move accordingly, but sometimes you can catch them napping. Uh, remember the Justin Herbert game against the Jacksonville Jaguars where, Tuesday or Wednesday, the news started to leak. There was no news, but it was became aware that hey, Herbert's really hurt. And the line went from like seven and a half to three that afternoon. And there was a couple slow moving PPHs that got got hit because of it because they just didn't adjust fast enough. So the trade-off is, you know, you can have an advantage, you get credit. Problem is they'll kick you out fast. You gotta worry about being stiffed. So there, there's the balance of that.
0: I mean, it just keeps backing up my theory that like people, even if you're good at betting, you shouldn't want to be a professional better just because of how much of a pain in the ass it is.
1: Yeah. It, once you, learning how to win is uh, not even half the battle. It's learning how to uh, keep accounts and get paid is the real battle.
0: I mean, I kind of like, you know, just having a regular job. Betting on sports and making some money, but not having to deal with Fat Tony.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I know I know I've 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 had to sit down with Fat Tony a couple times.
0: Yeah, and you know, sure, with your math background, you can you know build a model to say the probability of somebody winning, but then you have to figure out the probability of actually getting paid.
1: Yeah, uh, the leakage. So now you uh, college football? Do you mess around with that? I don't. And uh, I wish I could, um, because I know how gigantic the opportunities are. Saturday is actually a working day for me. Um, there's there's something called the uh, old pools here in uh, in Canada. And basically, it's a weekly pot of like five, six hundred thousand dollars that they give out. So it's like everybody looks at like, oh, Circus paying out six million dollars. And it's awesome. Imagine 18 weeks of five to $600,000 pools um, every week. So in order to play that pool, like they give you options, you know, $5 to play to get one entry. And essentially you got to pick every team correctly if they're going to win or lose. But for $10, you can take one game out because you're just playing both sides. And for 20, you're taking two games out because you play all four sides and you play 80. And then then (laughs) once you get to a certain number, and you're eliminating a lot of games to create an edge it costs a lot of money but it also means a lot of legwork going around different stores in the city and it takes up like three four hours on my afternoon on saturdays so unfortunately i can't watch college football and enjoy it and learn the sport as much as i'd like to
0: yeah because you're trying to to get down at the 7-eleven or gas station or tim hortons
1: yeah they used they used to limit you to a hundred dollars a store but the ticket form is eighty dollars for a four game box ticket that's the max so if you're trying to put ten thousand dollars in action you got to hit a hundred stores or at eighty dollars you got to hit 120 stores so we'd have a route and, and you got a guy who's going in and out of your car and you're driving around hitting different convenience stores it's a process they've They've bettered the process now. They let you bet $500 per store, so okay. it cuts down uh, you know, it cuts down some of your, your running around. But that's what happens when you're trying to get a lot of money down. Uh, they won't just let you bet $10,000 at one store and get all your action in. So that eats the afternoon, trying to get your money and move it around. And the reason I have to wait till Saturday is because you don't want to lock $10,000 of action in on Thursday, Friday for uh for and then lose some information come saturday uh that's gonna hurt you and it's not like it's not like uh you can um pick off a number before it moves it, it it's a different market it's just a straight up winter market so it eats up a lot of my saturday
0: yeah are you able to find like a shopping mall where there's multiple stores that are offering it
1: yeah we have routes and you know all the cluster areas where there's five or six uh, convenience stores or gas stations, and you go into a shopping mall and there's four kiosks. We have different routes in different areas. And then the other part is with Ontario Lottery Gaming Corporation, you have to write down which store you want at so that if you're going to cash a $100,000 ticket, they know it's yours, and you verified that you played it at that store. The ticket itself doesn't show that. So that's you're, you're constant, you're charting your information. So you've got your route, you're you're and you're you're picking okay which ticket did i play at which store while you're running around
0: yeah it sounds like a real life scavenger hunt every single week um which means i'm kind of worried if you're at Bed Bash three when we have the scavenger hunt there because the olg guys like right now i'm going to put him as a betting favorite
1: okay okay Uh, i i didn't know there is a scavenger hunt what what is that all about
0: Yes, I mean, um, last episode of 90 Degrees, we had Spanky on talking about Vet Bash. They're going to have a scavenger hunt with a cash prize, and you don't know who's in your group until the day of the scavenger hunt.
1: I think I'm going to spend the day at Stadium Swim during this the scavenger event. That doesn't sound like fun to me. I'm a big fat guy, and riding around in Vegas in the in the hot summer in August is not appealing to me.
0: Even if it's an electric assist bike?
1: Oh, I can, I can drive around on a, on, a, on like a, a scooter bike? Yeah, that's different.
0: That's what I'm thinking. They have it in New York. I don't know if they have it in Vegas where once you start pedaling, you get like an electric boost. But once you're at a certain speed, it'll stop. Uh, so you stop at a traffic light, you start pedaling. Instead of waiting, you hit like 15 miles an hour right away.
1: Okay, I wasn't aware of that. I'm going to have to look more into that event. I was more looking forward to like the speed networking, uh, the Billy Walters interview, the legacy uh party and then the hall of fame induction those were kind of the the highlight events for me
0: yeah i mean all i can tell you about bet bash is like the whole thing is a highlight
1: event i also owe like everybody a first drink i think i've told like 10 different people first drink on me so it's gonna be expensive it's gonna be an expensive trip not if
0: you're only at the open bar where it's already the drinks are included if
1: this is why you're a smart man see that's an advantage play i'm gonna buy the first drink at the open bar
0: so now you mentioned that and i love that you mentioned this you love betting on politics as i do kind of like uh can you go through your process of uh political betting
1: yeah absolutely i think the markets are determined by polling and here's the thing with polling you have to understand how the polling is done and what what they're sampling a lot of polls skew liberal, they, they skew to the left, they oversample the left, it's a lot of it is with Homeline. It, it, it skews older. Um, when you can actually look at like, um, on a more demographic uh, level, I also was lucky enough for five years to work in the news media world where I met with a lot of political power players. And I often discuss with them internal uh, polling numbers because those are often way better than what's available publicly. And you can find some real edges uh, attacking the markets because the markets are lining up to what uh, what the polls are saying. And lately they've been wrong, right? They were wrong when they when when they thought Hillary would beat Trump. They were wrong with Brexit and they were wrong when they thought a big Republican uh, red wave was coming in the midterms. and, you were picking off a lot of good numbers if you understood how to find actual good value. You also have to have a sense of the direction of the of the uh, of the country or, or or the the momentum or what we're working towards because a lot of the numbers are just staked to polling
0: now, you were mentioning the poll skewing liberal. I just wanted to point something out for our listeners in the states. Canada has uh, four major political parties. Uh, You have the Bloc Quebecois, uh, which is in Quebec. They're sort of like a separatist uh, pro-Quebec party. Um, And then for the rest of Canada, as well as Quebec, you have the Conservative Party, uh, which is your center-right party. You have the Liberal Party, which is a center-left party. And then you also have the New Democratic Party, which is a left-wing party that wins a lot of seats.
1: Yeah, I would say it's like, our NDP is like AOC, Bernie Sanders uh, of, of American, the, of the American range. And then, you know, the the Joe Biden, the more centrist left is, is where the liberals tend to be. And then the conservatives are a lot like the Republicans in the states. And that's kind of for those who aren't familiar with Canadian politics, that's kind of like our political spectrum.
0: Yeah. I and mean, then the ge- geography, I would say, of the Canadian elections are um, like the prairie the prairies are conservative and British Columbia swing, Ontario is swing and Ontario has the most people and Quebec. It always depends on how many people are voting for block Quebec. Uh, And then, you know, if their numbers go down or up who it's pulling from, and then you have the Maritimes, which are liberal.
1: Now I like betting American politics because that's where you, you can actually get some serious liquidity down. I remember during the 2020 election, I, I was firing a lot in that election through pinnacle because pinnacle is offering some incredible limits Uh, pinnacle is offshore at the time and now it's legal in Ontario. The only downside was um, because Trump's uh, resistance to acknowledge that he lost the election. uh, It didn't pay out for two months like I think it was it was the day they certified it January sixth. is finally when pinnacle released all the winning bets.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's like definitely something crazy is, you know, what determining like what's the definition of a winner. Because I'm also thinking if you go all the way back to 1960, because, you know, that's how you're going to do if you're going to have a large sample size at presidential elections. So 1960, Kennedy versus Nixon. Um, it was like a nail biter, but Kennedy won uh, because of all the dead people voting in Illinois. And some voter fraud in Texas, and some alleged voter fraud in Hawaii. Like, if you had political betting back then, you know you would have had a lot of controversy over, you know, determining who won that. But no one, no one's going to mention that because Kennedy is so well revered. People want to forget that that was a close election.
1: Yeah, and and it pops up every now and then. I mean, Bush Bush and Gore would have been an interesting time for how long you would have to wait to get paid out in florida so i was also betting state by state and one of one of the bigger states i was betting was michigan was going to joe biden and so like some of the states that did certify and it was acknowledged got paid out early but like michigan was also waiting till january 6th to get paid out
0: i would say that for the last presidential election i found some really good values on betting the chalk in certain solid states because i was just figure like, okay, some of these states are less elastic. Like, you know, it's there's a difference between betting a Republican to win in Alabama versus betting a Republican to win in Wisconsin. Because Wisconsin, you know, has heavy swings and Alabama is almost always heavily polarized. Like Mississippi, for example, the Democrat running for every single election there is always going to get the same 42 to 44% of the vote. It doesn't matter the quality of the candidate. They always reliably get that amount.
1: And, and that, that's like the bigger betting opportunities within were within the states that, were, that are traditionally swing or can go either way. Um, the whole Rust Belt and, and Florida and Ohio and uh, North Carolina, there was a lot of different states in play and there was a lot of good prices in the last election.
0: I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they ever start doing spread betting uh, for
1: elections. I think they have to because... I read that the handle for the election was like 300 upwards of 300 million and if they do it right this thing could become outside of the Super Bowl the second biggest betting event in in America it's 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 an excellent everybody I'm a political junkie so I'm not just looking at what like the surface is about the political temperature of the country I love looking uh, a little bit underneath and I find those are the bigger opportunities because again a lot of the the lines are staked to the polling that everybody has access to. And then some of the, um, underground political temperature, like, uh, you know, boots on the ground, like some of that level, there's some opportunities and some information and and some real edges there.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like combining the polling, kind of understanding the sample sizes, uh, where they're getting everything. Uh, if you're not doing presidential, looking at a congressional race, trying to figure out which seat.
1: Well, you, you, with midterms, um, Warnock and uh, Pennsylvania and um, and uh, Fetterman were both plus money (laughs) to win to win their to win their Senate seats and it's like because people were like generally oh it's going to be a red wave so all the Republican candidates got painted as chalk as it as if they were uh, really favorites to go and it's like Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz are not strong candidates and I wouldn't exactly call them uh, chalk favorites so Warnock and um, and Fetterman were two of the biggest betting opportunities I found.
0: Well, with Fetterman, a lot of what affected the betting was uh, him having a stroke and then his uh, debate performance.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing. uh, One of the most powerful votes and people will never understand the people who say, how could Joe Biden get 83 million votes? He's not a very good candidate. He doesn't excite people. And I'm like, "I, I completely agree. He does not have the charisma of a Barack Obama or a Bill Clinton or a Ronald Reagan. But the most powerful vote in politics is the anti-vote where people are terrified of the potential other candidate. Uh, And the $82 a was a reflection of, we don't want Donald Trump again. And the change vote is the most powerful. So it wasn't, I'm not betting on Fetterman who frankly ran a terrible campaign because he was having these health issues and his debate performance was terrible. I was betting against Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz as candidates. That to me is where the opportunity exists.
0: I mean, I think part of it is trying to figure out for each specific election, whether it's the United States or a different country, how elastic the electorate is because Canada, we know that whatever happens in Ontario and Quebec is usually going to decide the election. Um, the last Canadian federal election, um, I was betting against a liberal majority, uh, because the liberal majority was dependent on them winning seats in the prairies. Yes. And I know that you could run Willie Jefferson in Manitoba as a liberal and the conservatives are still winning that riding. Yeah. Or, you know, you can run Bo Levy, Bo Levy Mitchell, uh, in the Calgary area and the Tories yeah. are still winning.
1: You, you know, it's funny. Um, you talked about needing to win the prairies to win the majority so there's a lot of correlated outcomes in politics in in order to win certain if in order to win the grand total big election you got to win certain areas and oftentimes you can find some value in correlated outcomes
0: there yeah definitely uh looking at the correlations uh looking at there's like multiple races in the same state and you know finding the biggest long shot if you think that party is going to do well yeah Because, you know, there's like a myth of the split ticket voter that's going to vote for, you know, they're an independent. They don't know who they're going to vote for. So they're going to vote for this candidate and then they're going to vote for this candidate, the other party.
1: I also find that there's a lot of value in betting the primaries and finding out who the candidate is going to be. If you remember in we're going to bore people with the political talk, but I don't know about you. Well, it's betting related. Yeah, it's betting related. So uh, through the first four um, states. Joe Biden didn't look like he was going to be the Democratic nominee. It was Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. And then South Carolina happened and Joe Biden wins South Carolina because they have a lot of traditional older white voters and they line up with Joe Biden. And then what happened within the Democratic Party. So what people don't realize is there's a lot of kingmakers behind the scenes. And what you notice was they said, listen, if we don't back Joe Biden here, Bernie Sanders is going to be our candidate and we're going to lose the general election. So what happened was a lot of the center, uh, the center Democrats, center left Democrats, they started to drop out and throw their support behind Joe Biden. Pete Buttigieg, um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren dropped out, went behind Joe Biden and Bloomberg. And and then it allowed Biden to to power up as the one candidate versus Bernie Sanders. And I find I think there's an opportunity in the Republican primary right now to do the same because Trump has a sizable lead. And he's the betting favorite. But I believe that Ron DeSantis at his price is the best value to bet right now because what what's holding people back is Trump has his dedicated 35 to 40 percent of the base that love him. And then there's the rest of the candidates are splitting the rest of the vote. But eventually it's gonna come down to to the primaries. And what's gonna happen is, you know, a lot of these candidates like Nikki Haley and um Mike Pence, um, I think they're going to end up dropping out because they're going to realize DeSantis is the only guy who can beat Trump. And in order to beat him, he's got to beat him one on one so that he gets all the people who are opposed Trump within the Republican Party need to line up behind one candidate in order for him to win. So right now, the temperature is Trump's ahead 25 points in the polls or he said 33 and he's arguing and he said, you know, they're making my lead look smaller than it is. But I don't believe these numbers are relevant to once we get closer to next year's primaries. I believe Ron DeSantis is the guy to win the Republican nomination. And it's going to happen with uh, candidates dropping out and throwing support behind him and letting him go one on one with Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. So you bring up a good point about this upcoming presidential election. Um, Considering that your money is tied up for so long in these presidential election bets, how do you determine your betting strategy for how you lay the money out?
1: um i will never bet it in a credit shop just because um you can find good bets will never get honored because you'll get booted out like i could lose the account week four of the football season and the general elections not till next year so it would have to be a legal book and the edge would have to be big enough where it's like okay is it worth tying up my money but again a lot of people who don't like tying up money i don't bet Football and uh, i don't bet basketball and hockey and baseball so the the need to roll over my money every single week isn't as big for myself um but it's also got to be worth you know it's got to be worth the trouble
0: certainly now for the upcoming football season what is the best advice that you can give uh betters particularly ones that aren't professionals for going after the nfl
1: is it's very difficult it's uh Everybody thinks it's it's funny with football. Like, if a sports book's offering you um, five thousand dollars at the close, like on XFL, they're not very confident that they have the right number. Uh, they're vulnerable. They'll only let you take five thousand dollars shot at them at the, at the close. If you if you can on football get a hundred thousand dollars down, that means the sports books very confident in the line that they have and and what they're doing. Don't don't think that football because you enjoy it and it's your favorite sport to watch is beatable. It's actually one of the most difficult sports to beat. If you're going to and you're still learning, try to bet a little bit earlier in the week as opposed to betting late in the week uh, into an efficient line that's already been hammered into place. And that would be my uh, my general advice if you're talking about people who are like entry level, they're just learning about sports betting. Uh, you know, it'd be all the cliche stuff. Stay away from stay away from crazy eight leg parlays and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always try and think about who who's listening to this show. So we know that there's certain pro betters who do listen, but the majority are, you know, betters that are trying to win yeah. but that may not necessarily be pro.
1: Yeah, that's the truth. Like, listen, uh, you know, X percent of people are pros, but they also know a lot of what we're saying. I find when I'm speaking is to people who are just getting into sports betting or trying to be just at least a little bit better even if they don't want to be pros they don't want to be losing money uh, doing this as a side uh, as a side thing.
0: Yeah, for the most part I think okay, what's what's a reasonable goal for most people listening to this podcast? And I basically think lose less money.
1: I got I actually have one, you know what? Don't overreact to um games that are extremely out of script. And there, there's there's something to football where a game just hits a point where it just gets out of control. A couple turnovers in a row, um, the the scores compounded. The team that's down like mentally checks out and they get blown out twenty eight nothing. And if you had these teams closely rated uh, before the game, don't don't use this opportunity to say wow, this team's way better than the other team. I'd look a little closer like you know what sometimes it's just circumstance sometimes games just get out of hand based on uh what happened within the game so I don't ever overcorrect week to week it's a, it's a bit of a process for me I will edge and nibble and correct my lines and my power ratings accordingly but I don't I don't sit there and and overreact to one game and say wow this this team is way better or this team is way worse uh than I thought they were
0: all right, George, it was a pleasure having you on 90 Degrees this week, and I look forward to seeing what you're up to this football season and uh, what you're betting on if there's a Canadian federal election this year as well.
1: I can give you my pick.
0: Oh, OK. I want to hear your Canadian betting picks right now.
1: Uh, so three years ago when I was uh, just leaving news media, I fell in love with this star candidate, Pierre Polyev, who I thought was a political rock star. I believe Pierre Poilievre is going to be the next prime minister of Canada, and I think he's going to win a majority government. And is Pierre Polyev the uh, conservative? He is the conservative leader. He's uh, French-speaking, uh, which is very important because you're going to need to win some votes in Quebec and take them away from the Bloc Quebecois. Um, and the people have wanted to vote out Trudeau, but the conservatives have not put up a strong enough candidate to do so. Uh, Pierre is the guy, though, to do it.
0: I mean, that does seem like a pretty sharp angle because the conservatives have had difficulties even during the Harper years of winning in Quebec. So if he can win in Quebec. Plus the prairies, he might even get a majority rather than just.
1: And we've uh, had we've had a problem. I shouldn't say we because I'm not a conservative, but uh, they've had a problem galvanizing the young vote. And that's something Pierre has tapped into more so than any other conservative candidate uh, in the last 30, 40 years.
0: All right. I'll keep an eye on Pierre. George, thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll check out your podcast during the year to see what sort of insights he got.
1: Thanks so much, Kevin.
0: The easiest way to improve as a sports bettor is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like Betstamp. Betstamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, and player props. Save time and money by checking BetStamp before you bet. Download the app today for free. If you're looking to sign up for a new Sportsbook account, please check out the offers available at betstamp.app forward slash or hit the link in the description. If you sign up through this page, it helps support the show. Big bomb. Bomb, bangers. Down, Thank you for tuning pips, in to 90 big Degrees, presented bangers, by the Hammer Betting bangers, Network bomb, and Pinnacle Sports down, Head <laughs> over to our webpage, thehammer.bet, for all big, your sports bangers, betting bangers, needs. Bangers, if you've enjoyed the show, please bangers, click bangers, that like button. If you're new to the channel, hit the subscribe button. Let's cash. Bangers, bangers, bomb, bomb bangers.